0: There are so many things that have happened in the last week, right? Last Sunday we celebrated Father's Day on Juneteenth. That seems like a long time ago uh, to me, and uh, maybe that's because I was camping with the youth last Sunday and I was a little sleep deprived. Um, but we've the the war in Ukraine is still going. Uh, most of the U.S. states or all of the U.S. states held their primary elections. Uh, the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol is hearing is having their initial hearings. There was a deadly earthquake in Afghanistan. Uh, so many in our country are still reeling from the racially motivated and school based mass shootings. Gas prices and inflation in our country are at recent record highs. We are still in the midst of a pandemic where people are getting sick and there's still a burden on our healthcare system and our healthcare workers that has been prolonged. As Elliot mentioned, there have been multiple significant Supreme Court rulings in the last few days, and a significant piece of gun control legislation was signed into law. That doesn't have anything to do with personally where you're at. I know people in this room are struggling with financial situations or health-related conflicts or issues, um, but some people have gotten new jobs or purchased houses, people are having babies, people are getting engaged. There's this conflict of emotions in ourselves. Some of these issues might we might be experiencing a conflict. You're like, how do I really feel about this thing? Or this part seems this way and this part seems that way. Or you might see some people rejoicing over something that causes sadness in you or the other way around. And so I just want to recognize that those feelings, as Elliot said, are not only okay, but they're welcome. If church can't be a place where we come with all of us, then like, what is, what is the point? And so before I get into to the prepared message this morning, I want to actually give us like a minute to actually sit with it. Um, I know that that all of us come with different things and our lives demand different things of us. But this morning, honestly, mainly because I was sharing this morning, I took a minute before I left my house and I just like exhaled. And even as I was exhaling, I was like, okay, it's time to go. And I was like, I can't even sit still to like exhale a full breath, right? Like like that's a problem that we are always jumping to the next thing and we might read a headline or see a post and we don't even give ourselves time to process. Um, and that can be a problem for multiple reasons. Sometimes we react before we've even thought it through or we just move on to the next thing because this is way too much, right? I just listed things. I didn't like search what's happening in the world, right? That's just like stuff I knew off the top of my head. And so we come with so much. And so God wants to meet us where we're at, and each one of you. And it's really my prayer that what I share this morning meets us where we're at. And I, I don't have the ability to know where each of you are at and, and craft words to meet you there, but God can do that. Through the Spirit, he can meet you where you're at. And so I'm going to give us a minute. I'm going to stop talking and just sit, take those couple deep breaths and let yourself fully breathe in and out. Um, and then we'll start with the message. God, I thank you that you are a God that sees, and you are a God that loves, and I pray sincerely that each one of us would feel met by you this morning, that we would feel your presence and your love for us, and that we would leave this morning, above all, feeling your love for us. I pray that what I shared this morning um, would be part of that. Amen. Amen. So Matt Stricker and I met a couple times as we were preparing for what this series on the church would be. Matt led a series uh, last year on the institutional church and kind of what is the church, and we're continuing that this year. And I wish that all of you could have been there for my conversations with Matt, because they were encouraging, they were thought-provoking. It was a little bit of church right at the Stricker's dining room table. And honestly, that's when we talk about what is the church, that is what part of the church is, is people talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus? And so in Matt and I trying to figure out what do we want to share with the church, we got to do that. And so this morning, I really hope that what I share sparks those conversations. I don't intend for you to leave here like, I understand how rules should be applied in the church. Like, I do not know that. I do not have all the answers. I just share one perspective um, but I want us to be a people that talk about these things. Um, and so you might leave, uh, hopefully you will leave with more questions and answers and more things to think about. Um, I think that church should be a place where we engage, where we are caused to, to reflect and to learn and, and then to take action. This morning, as you can see on the slide, I'm going to be talking about the, rule, the role of rules in the church, in the institutional church. Represented in this room are as many experiences with the church as there are people, right? Some of us grew up in churches that we loved. Some of us grew up in churches where we were deeply hurt. Some of us started coming to church as an adult very recently. And some of us are trying to figure out, is church something for me? Is it something I even want to be involved in? And all of those perspectives um, are valid, and all of those perspectives impact how we hear what we hear in church. I grew up in a really small church um, and in a, in a church and in a family where I learned a lot of true and really good things, and I'm super grateful for that foundation. But because of my personality, growing up in those contexts, I also came to believe some really untrue things as well, and I think in some ways that's healthy, right? That there's no way that the way we grow up is perfect, that we, we need to learn, and so part of my... Um, Maturing hopefully is trying to figure out what of that foundation was good and what are some things that need to be refined? I'm a rule follower and I know that it can be an unpopular opinion, but rules often actually make me feel good They make me feel safe One of my best friends likes to break rules because she doesn't understand them and she can get away with it So she breaks them and so we often have this back-and-forth of trying to convince each other of the validity or invalidity of rules, right? So the fact rule we'll, we'll like send each other pictures of people breaking rules and being like, see how this ruins the whole world and like, see how this is unnecessary. And so this is a, a thing for me, rules. Um, when I was, was growing up, especially, I, fa- I found a lot of comfort in understanding what was right and being able to find my security in that. So explain things to me, let me know what I'm supposed to do, because that made me feel safe. And I spent a lot of energy then living that out, right? Like, I figured it out, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna convince everyone else of what I figured out, right? You can imagine what, a, what an easy child I was, trying to desperately find out from my parents what was right and why and what I needed to do. And then what a pleasant teen I was, taking all of that and convincing everyone of what I knew was right. And my older brother is here today, so he can, he can attest to the fact that, that didn't always go over well. Um, it turns out that trying to find security and worth and safety in rules is actually really a heavy burden. And it doesn't bring the security and safety that I was looking for. At the time of Jesus' ministry, the Jewish religion was well established with rules and traditions. Jesus was the Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for, but Jesus did not affirm that all of their rules were the way to be saved, nor did he institute a new set of rules, but he called people to a completely new way of life. The new way of life was guided by love, love of God, and love of others. In the New Testament book of John, after Jesus washes his disciples' feet, which we, we could spend, you know, a whole sermon series on the significance of that. To us, washing people's feet is like, what's giving them a pedicure? Like, why would you wash people's feet, right? But there's so much significance to what that meant at that time for Jesus as this Lord and Rabbi to be washing his disciples' feet. So right after he um, does that, he says, and we'll see this on the slide in, in the book of John. Um, that's not the right one. I'm going to read it to you. Maybe I gave them the wrong order. It should be a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus, and he says, I, I've done this to you, you need to serve other people. And he doesn't say, they're all going to know you're my disciples because you followed all the things I told you perfectly and you passionately enforce them, right? He says, they will know that you're my disciples if you love people like I have loved you, demonstrated by washing the feet. In 1 Corinthians 13, right before the famous wedding passage of love is patient, love is kind, um, it says in in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I was hoping that I could clang a symbol for you all, partly to wake you up if you would fallen asleep already. But clanging symbols are not pleasant. They are not a desirable thing. And these things listed in this passage, they're not necessarily bad things to speak in tongues and have prophetic words. But if love is missing, then not only is it worthless, but it's annoying. And it's something that's going to be a nuisance. In Matthew 23, uh, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders that have been enforcing these well-established traditions, right? And he goes on a tirade. So if you have a picture of Jesus of, like, the little precious moments character that's, like, holding the sheep, like, Jesus was loving, but he had some very strong words for these religious leaders. And part of what he says is up here on the screen. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus did not rebuke the Pharisees for teaching the rules. It was the way that they were teaching the rules and not living out what they were saying that was the problem. Jesus actually tells his followers, listen to what they say, but do not do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. It was the lack of of humility and love and grace that was the issue. And it made their behaviors and their teachings actually detrimental to the people that were trying to follow. In a later conversation with the Pharisee, Jesus is asked which commandment in the Jewish law is the greatest. And this is in Matthew 22. And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That is super clear. Love God with all that we have and love our neighbors. All the laws and regulations hinge on love. I know it's easy, at least for me, to sometimes get on the Pharisees for being so judgmental and narrow-minded and legalistic, but I have some pharisaical tendencies and I think all of us do if we're honest even for those rule breakers of you out there most of us like some sort of guidelines or structure or order we like formulas and that is part of the reason why there are so many divisions among us we want there to be an us so that there can be a them we want there to be a right and a wrong even if our wrong is people that say other people are wrong right it, it, it keeps going it's like oh Everyone just needs to be right. I don't want anyone, you know, we shouldn't judge people. But then it's like, I'm going to judge you for judging people, right? And so it, it, it can spiral. One of the things that frustrates me most about the Bible is that there's a lot that is unclear. I read the Old Testament and I'm left with these angry and confused feelings about these characters and these stories. Jesus purposely speaks in parables. And he actually says, some people will not understand what I'm saying. If God wanted to, he could have given us a very clear rule book or like the ultimate search engine, you know, where you could be like, what do I do when my child does this? Like, God could have given us a way to find out exactly what to do in every situation. But he doesn't. And if we like it or not, following Jesus involves some ambiguity and some tension. There's not this certainty that we often desire. And because of that, we make rules and formulas, because it makes us feel better. Life is easier. It is. Without tension and without uncertainty, it's easier. So we make lists of behaviors that are acceptable and unacceptable. We make seven steps to whatever it needs to be. We use acronyms, which is my favorite, that just make everything simple, right? If you just have a cute acronym, like, it'll all be okay. And often, we, we make these rules. We tell teens, this is how you date, and we give detailed lists of what's appropriate and what's not. We tell adults how to have a godly marriage and a godly family and how to handle your money godly. Now, hear me, it is important that we talk about how we handle our bodies and our relationships and our money in a way that aligns with God's kingdom. But so often, we, we miss the complexity because we just want an easy answer. We take things that should be descriptive, one way to do this, something that has worked for me, and we make it prescriptive. You need to do it this way. It needs to be done this way. In church context, this way of living can be even more harmful because these rules are taken a step further and they're turned into institutionalized systems of belief. These systems create a sort of order and uniformity at the expense of people. Advertently or inadvertently, people feel rejected or judged. If people don't fit the cookie-cutter mold of the Christian way to do things, which, by the way, is often defined by a certain group of people in a certain place in the world, in a certain time in history, in a certain socioeconomic class, in a certain geography, right? (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Uh, Dave travels all over the world, so he probably actually has research on this, right? When we say the Christian way to do this, it's based on me right now. And that's not fair to people that aren't me right now, right? And so then we end up hurting people and ostracizing people because, well, I don't look like Katie, so therefore I must be doing it wrong. And that that can be so hurtful. And I think it also, but then it it justifies our divisions, right? Like those people aren't doing it right, so I'm going to go start my own church, or I'm going to go to my own church or those people are now like who we're fighting against because they're doing it wrong. And, and that's not what Jesus did. And when we were singing in worship, that song, Break Every Chain, I thought, man, the church, we create new chains. Right? And it's not, most of the time, it's not intentional. But it's because we think, To make me feel better, I had to make a system out of this, and this is the way you do it, so you need to do it, because I want you to be free, but I'm actually restricting you and putting new chains on you. If we had that miraculous search engine that would give us all the answers, we wouldn't need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't need the stories of Israel and the wisdom of the prophets and the the Psalms. We wouldn't need the record of Jesus's life or the letters to the early church. We wouldn't need to gather here together to talk about this because the search engine would solve all our problems. The potential to end up like the Pharisees is way too great. If we had that, we would just do all the right things, but that's not what following Jesus is. That's not what the church is. God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be loved by him. He wants us to be dependent on him. This means a life of grace, of questioning, of learning, of getting it wrong, of trying again, of transformation. Rules cannot transform us. Only love can do that. And that's what Jesus calls us to be, a people that are transformed. Like it did for me in my younger years, I think rules in the church provide a version of comfort, security, and structure. This version of living causes us to be people who are so focused on being right, and therefore others are wrong. Our focus shifts away from what really matters. Instead of focusing on how we can best love and serve others, we focus on creating, explaining, and defending these systems of belief. Unfortunately, there are way too many examples of this throughout church history and in current times. We need to be better as the church than I was as a child and a teen. Relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the only way to live out what the church was meant to be. The only true and lasting comfort comes from God alone. As we look at the complete biblical narrative and the words of Jesus, we can't deny that a certain way of living is a part of being the church. God had very specific rules and expectations for the people of Israel. Jesus had a lot to say about what life in the kingdom looks like. But for the Jewish people and the followers of Jesus, the point of those commands and teachings was and still is to be in the love of God and to bring others into that love. If we focus so much on doing the right things, we miss that relationship and we we do those harmful things that we've already talked about. The only way that we will live out being the church is if we are rooted in relationship and love of God. Here at One Life, we really do try to be a place where love is primary. And I I don't know how, if if all this has been shared, but the teaching team, we've been meeting to talk about about different things and important things. And we don't leave like, here is our defined statement. Um, And that can be uncomfortable for some of us. but that is because we're trying to figure out, okay, that matters, but what matters most is that we're loving people. And that means that we leave some space for slightly different takes on things because we don't wanna just create more chains, right? By saying, we define this, so therefore anyone who's outside of this is out. We, we want to hold the primary thing, the primary thing. And I'm so grateful for that about this church. I said in the beginning that I think church is a place where we should engage where we don't just sit and accept something and go. Um, and so I'm gonna give you a chance to engage right now. Uh, don't worry, you're not gonna to have to talk to anyone or write anything down. But I am gonna ask us to take some time to reflect. And there's hopefully gonna be some reflection questions on the screen. And so I want, I want us to take some time together to think about these things. And I spend some time as a college professor, and so I'm like, there's this big temptation for me to make you write something down or, like, you know, quiz you next week. But what I do ask you to do is to really focus uh, in some way on number four. What is something that you can take from this Uh, and tell someone? Because so often we sit in church, we hear something, and then we're like, oh, sweet, they prayed. Where am I going to go to lunch, right? And we're, we're done with that. But the, God has work to do. Um, and it could be that I said something that you really disagree with or that's confusing to you. That's fine. Then that can be part of your action step. Come talk to me. Talk to someone else and say, what, what did that mean? How does that work? That is what we want. To be the church, we need to be a people who talk about what it means to be the church. So these reflection questions, if you have been hurt by the, systemic, by the systemic rules of a church, ask God this morning to begin or continue healing you from that. What rules have you focused on too much, either following yourself or trying to get others to follow? What specifically might change in your life if you focused more on seeking God and being rooted in that love than following rules? And what is one step you can take this week to... respond to something this morning. And that can be from anything um, in this time this morning. But I think it's just so important, again, that we remember what God calls us to be is a people who are transformed by his love and bringing other people into that love. And we we need to resist the temptation to make that formulaic um, and written out for ourselves and for other people. So Tom's going to come up and just play some background music for us. And I'm going to pray for us. And I really do encourage you to take this time um, to ask God to meet you where you're at. However systemic rules in the church affects your life, God wants to meet you there. Um, And so I'm going to pray that this time would do that. God, we thank you that you did come to break the chains, that you came to call those on the outside in, and that you in necessity called the religious leaders to a deeper understanding of the belief system that they had. You desperately want all of us to live a freedom that can only come from the transforming power of your love. And then out of that, may we behave and live the way that you call us to because of the overflow of what you have done in our lives and in our hearts. May we behave the right way because our hearts are in the right place and have been transformed by you. So God, meet each one of us here this morning with the specific thing that you have for us. And may we go from this place one step further, uh, one step closer to an understanding of your deep love um, and the incredible grace that you show us.